This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What you are about to hear in the following episode does not implicate the Chicago police in the murder of Courtney Copeland. Previously on Somebody. There are still so many unanswered questions about what led to the death of 22-year-old Courtney Copeland. Family members say Copeland was on his way to a friend's house when he was shot through his car window. A bullet hit his back. He managed to flag down a police car in front of the 25th District Station and was rushed to a hospital. The wound was fatal. I believe that not enough has been done to solve Courtney's murder. What would really? you like what would you like done that I haven't done? I personally would have went back and re-interviewed everybody to make sure that re-interviewed the police. Oh, absolutely. And whoever did this to my son, I ask that you turn yourself in. I ask that you ask for forgiveness from God. My name is Shapiro Wells. This is a story of my son, Courtney, a young black man in a fancy car who wound up with a bullet in his back in front of a Chicago police station. And it's the story of my search for the truth. This is Somebody. Everybody, somebody's everyday. Nobody's nothing. Oh, nobody. 
And so every black person in this country must rise up and say, I'm somebody. I have a rich, proud, and noble history, however painful and exploited it has been. Black people have always had to say it out loud, I am somebody, because the people in charge keep telling us we're not. I am black, but I am black and beautiful. We must this is something Dr. Martin Luther King used to say in front of crowds, and Reverend Jesse Jackson has carried on the tradition. When I hear Reverend Jackson saying that, when he tells you that you are somebody, he reminds you to think about your own self-worth. And even though the world around you is telling you that you are nothing, you are somebody. And my son, Courtney, he was somebody. I felt I had the responsibility to force the police to take a look at his case and say, hey, this kid is somebody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Keep Hope Alive with Reverend Jesse Jackson. I'm Santita Jackson. We want you to call us at one. That's Santita Jackson. She co-hosts the radio show Keep Hope Alive with her father, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Here in Chicago, their show airs on WVON, The Voice of the Nation, but it used to be called The Voice of the Negro. The station was a catalyst in getting out the message of the civil rights movement. And now they're mainstream. Let me go to Shapiro from Chicago. What is on your mind? I'm so I've been a frequent caller for years. I'm always on their Facebook page. And I'm so glad you came off of that Facebook, Shapiro. What's on your mind today? Thank you so much for taking my call, Sandy. Good morning to your panel. I wanted to uh, actually reiterate what Dr. Roberts said. You were one of my best callers, uh, someone who was very confrontational in a respectful way, very informed, and very determined to get the story right. So I knew the thing about Santita, she knows so many people. She's connected. So after Courtney was killed, she was one of the first people I called. It was 2, 3 in the morning, something like that. I immediately became alarmed because anyone who calls me at that hour, it's typically not good news. And you were in between crying and talking. And you just kept saying, this is my son, this is my baby. You just kept saying, Courtney, my baby, my baby, Santita, he's been killed. I told her the detectives wouldn't tell me much of anything. But they wanted to ask me a bunch of questions. And I said, I told you to stop. You need to record, that is, write down everything that you heard and saw and felt. Because you will lose it as we go, as time goes on. But we need Santita's to advice, what the to write said, everything down, that was the best advice I could have been given. In the beginning, you get the truth. Mm -hmm. Cover-up happens after the first day or so. But in the beginning, you get the truth. I went straight into investigator mode. I wrote up a timeline, and I made a voice recording on my phone to keep track of all the details. I told that recorder everything I was thinking about the night I got the news. <sighs> so, 
approximately around 2.15 a.m., I receive a thunderous beat on my door. And I told that recorder about my conversation with detectives. I began to question through my pain, can I talk to the officer? I need to know exactly what my son said to him. And they said that that's the only thing that he had said, that he had been shot. I also told that recorder about what I really believed happened to Courtney. I believe my son was stopped and pulled out his vehicle because they ran the plates and they saw a young black man driving in a Hispanic area with a car that was not registered in a black person's name. Courtney had a co-sign on that BMW, his friend Christian Hernandez. It was his name on the car registration and not Courtney's. 22, Robert, go ahead. Which the police would have known. Edward, five, five, one, seven, nine, zero. They ran his plates. 10-4. And Christian told me that police called him right after Courtney died to ask who the real owner of the car was. And another thing, we knew the police had Courtney's name. Christian is a male. His name is Courtney Copeland. And so they would have learned that Courtney had an IR number. That's a number that's assigned to you when you're arrested. Let me give you a little backstory. When Courtney was about 17, he and some friends found a debit card at school, and they used it to buy some Harold's chicken. And I get this phone call, and it's my mom, and she's like, Courtney's in jail. I'm like, who? What Courtney? Who are you talking about? So I immediately told her, well, they don't care what he did. Leave him there. I remember being so mad at him. Courtney was punished with the in-school suspension. The case was tossed. He never got arrested again. But the IR number followed him. No matter that he was just a kid and all that he and his friends did was steal some chicken. A week after Courtney died, me, my husband Brent, and my mom Renee we met with police. The station was old and dilapidated. Let me, uh, let me grab your... Brent recorded the whole thing on his phone from his pocket. Hello? Hi, how are you? While we waited, I was taking calls and planning Courtney's funeral. Uh, the wake is at one, and then the, uh... The actual services is going to start at 3. So it's a two-hour visitation, and then the program hey, is folks, going to start I'm at, Fuller, I'll at be 3 I'll sleeping in the meeting. Can I get anybody some soft drinks, water, chips, mm-hmm. anything at all? Water. 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 Two waters. I'm sorry, say it. Make it three. Please. Three waters? Thank you. Yeah, Monday is the burial. Uh, Sergeant Mitchell. No, no, no. It's at 10. Okay. Hold, hold on one second, Christian. The three of us sat across from the three of them. I just want to take note of my sequence. Fuller, and what was your Sergeant name? Mitchell. Sergeant Mitchell. Yes, ma'am. Oh, you're the big wig, huh? No, 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 no. I wrote down their names. 
Okay, I'm okay, sorry. Uh, first of all, you have our condolences. Thank you. Um, everybody we've spoken to, um, your son was a great kid, um, and nobody's had a bad word to say about him. And to say they told us they do everything they could to find out who killed Courtney. This or persons to justice. Okay, we, we, myself, the detectives, we couldn't have two better guys working the case. Okay, um, you know, there's, you know, there's some. Sometimes people are out in that game. They're they're playing out there, and you know, things happen. This is not the case here. Right. Um, and like I said, we're, it provides us with an extra incentive. You know, we, we're kind of of the belief that homicide is, you know, it's almost biblical. It's like the worst thing you can do to somebody. They asked if we had any questions. My mom, Brent, and I, we had a lot. So, fire away. Okay, the first question I had was, who was the officer on the scene that assisted my son? There were several officers on the scene. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they did. They attempted to. They were. They're comforting to your son. Uh, we know that for a fact. Um, they, May we have the names of the officers? I'm, no, I'm not no. going to. Um, not right now. Not okay. Right. Let us. I'm let us. Okay. 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 I, not, okay. Yeah. Um, no, we're not going to give out names of okay. officers on this. Okay. Okay. Um, but I can ensure you that. They, they summoned help right away. They comforted your son. Um, they did all that they could to help him. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, you see and you hear a lot of things, but I'm actually really proud of the way the officers conducted themselves. You know, they, and But when I started to press them, it was clear they hadn't even talked to the officers on the scene. So when my son approached the cops, what did he say? From what I understand, he'd been, he'd been related to the officer. He'd been shot. Um, they called nine one. They got on the radio and summoned an ambulance. He didn't tell them any. He didn't elaborate, like who we, shot him or, or where this where, occurred. Where that's, I mean, I know my I, son, and that's just I, I, like hard to believe. We are going to speak with all the officers that were on the scene. Okay. So you the, haven't the, done it. No, the point. detectives. They see what happened. This happened over the midnight shift, mm-hmm. and midnights assigns detectives to do the scene, and they speak with the officers that were there. I asked them about the cameras right outside the station, the ones that would have shown what happened when my son pulled so you're up. you're talking about the police station? The police cam- station. The those, cameras now don't work. Now those cameras do not work. That's crazy. They said they didn't okay. work. Well, Let me tell you something. <laughs> I arrived as a young policeman in that station in May wow. of 1987. I went to the 25th district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those cameras... Wrong, and I was wrong. there in January yeah. of 91 then, until we came here never, four years ago. Multiple requests over the years by the, the, the district commander to have... Right outside the police station, there's a big park with three schools. So to tell me those cameras hadn't worked in decades, that was unacceptable. Uh, I, do share, I do share your frustration when things don't work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, cameras don't work. Computers don't work. Uh, automobiles don't work. Right. Um, it is very frustrating. Wow. Um, but wow. you know what? We have these hurdles in every investigation. See, we work, I'm just trying we to figure out overcome. how can Make you solve it? Asia, pro. How can you the solve? People have to, how can, the people I mean, have to band you know, together. I feel like and your job more. is to serve and protect. protect. But you can't do it. You don't have If you don't have the proper equipment to use it. And it, that shows so, me the lack of priority it is 
to save lives in this city. But when I talked to the detectives on the phone to set up this meeting, one of them told me that they had already seen a video from the neighborhood camera. Only one work. And you said that you did find uh, well, no one, said one video. One camera. No, I, I was, okay. no one ever said You said it. you saw him on one camera, right? I, I, I said I was able to view one camera yeah, right. at okay. the time we spoke. Right. That's what yeah. I said. Okay, so you have you you do have other videos that you I need do. to watch. Oh, yeah, did you right. get that? I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were saying that it was on I needed to see what was on those tapes. But they wouldn't give them to me. They said it was an ongoing investigation. So I went back home, and I pushed in other ways. I hit the streets. And I got back on the radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. My theory is that the gangbangers, the police, everybody is a suspect until they rule themselves out. I have to see the video in order to rule them out. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. God is in charge. Courtney's homegoing service was at the Cicero Community Center. The funeral home wouldn't work because Courtney had too many friends. So we had people standing room only. Courtney was everyone's best friend. He had that gift of making everyone feel important. Everybody was saying, oh, he was my best friend. He was my best friend. He was my best friend. He really was my best friend. I just love the stories people told. Like Courtney's friend, Jova. (laughs) He was like our Will Smith, like the French principal there. This kid was just like, he made himself that whole... 
go over up the fridge, like that was the thing, like it was just in there. Chance the Rapper showed up, too. He stayed in the back. You know, walking in a room and seeing all these familiar faces and all these faces that I had never seen before all broken over my friend, you know, it just hit me. Like, he was just a good dude, funny dude. And just, like, realizing, like, that, that somebody had taken him, you know, it, it was just all hard for me to to deal with that shit there. I put Courtney in a tuxedo. That's what he's wearing his favorite picture. So I told myself, I'm going to make him look just like that. The service, it was so beautiful. And Santita, she sang for him. You sang this song, I think, by Mahalia Jackson. Troubles of the world. No more weeping on wailing. It says, soon I will be done with the troubles of the world. You are supposed to cry at birth and rejoice at death. Because as excited as we are to see a baby, you don't tell the baby, well, this is going to be a tough journey. All of his best friends were his pallbearers. They wore red bow ties, black vests, and white gloves as they lowered my son's body into the ground. With Courtney's funeral now behind us, I was just left to sit in this new reality that my baby, he was never coming back. But still, I didn't know the worst of what had happened to Courtney. That news was winding its way across the city of Chicago. It started at the hospital on the north side. Someone who worked there said something to a friend, and that friend talked to my Uncle Marvin, who's on the west side. And Uncle Marvin called my mom, who's downtown. Uncle Marvin told my mom that there was a rumor going around the hospital that Courtney was combative. What they told him about, that he was being combative, we were shocked with that information. We really were. Police told me he collapsed in front of the station. So when did he all of a sudden get uncollapsed and become combative? Plus, when he arrived to the hospital, he was already in cardiac arrest. I asked the hospital to put together Courtney's medical records so I can see for myself. Brent and I dropped off our daughter at school and headed straight for the hospital for the paperwork. I started flipping through the medical records before we even left the parking lot. Right away, I found a document, a write-up from the EMTs. It says, my son was combative, violent, agitated, a danger to others, 
and that he was handcuffed. Handcuffed. Police never told me about any handcuffs. And why would they handcuff someone who's dying? Unless they thought he was a suspect of some kind. Brent was quiet, but I can tell he was angry. I know how he is. And I know he didn't do anything to pose a threat. Had he been a young a young white guy, nice car, the situation would have been totally different. I thought about those detectives we had just met with. You know, you see and you hear a lot of things, but I'm actually really proud of the way the officers conducted themselves. They were just playing me for food. You know, you can take some comfort in that, that he was, there were people there to care and that they, you know, they, they did help. Brennan and I really need to process all of this. We felt sick to our stomachs, but we knew we had to eat. So we went to one of our favorite restaurants, a place called Sweet Maple's Cafe. We drove there directly from the hospital. Our hearts were on the floor. We couldn't stop thinking about the police handcuffing our baby. Right when we walk in the door, lo and behold, there she is. The ER nurse from the night Courtney died. You know, the one who had held my hand and comforted me? She was sitting with the older woman, her mother. I told my mom, like, oh my God. I was like, mom, do you remember the story I was telling you about when a young man got killed? I'm like, That's, that is his parents right there. Clarissa Hawkins was working the ER when Courtney came in. She was the one who cut the clothes off his body. I had to ask her, was my baby really handcuffed? She told me he was. I remember him specifically being handcuffed to the bed. And so we were like, okay, where's the police? We need these handcuffs off. Um, And then maybe, maybe like about i say about a minute, the police walked in and they took off the, they, you know, took off the handcuffs. Nurse Hawkins said when she first saw Courtney, his right hand was handcuffed to the stretcher, which was a problem because they needed to transfer him to a hospital bed so they can work on him. And they couldn't. And yeah, it was different. I don't remember ever seeing any other gunshot victims come in handcuffed. She didn't remember anything about him being combative. So if if somebody's combative, we know that when they're coming in, because that's one of the first things they tell us for safety. Oh, this person's combative, so be ready. We never got that report about him that he was combative. Because then now our security team has to come, and we have to have extra security there. And we have to have medications on board to calm this person down. My baby must have been so scared. He was all by himself. But it's a comfort to me that Nurse Hawkins showed him some compassion. um, Something I do personally, I remember laying my hands on his arm and I started praying for him, like, though I don't know what happened, but please, you know, save this person's life. I started praying for him. She didn't know anything about Courtney when she prayed for him, just that he was somebody. We exchanged numbers and left the restaurant. But the day wasn't over yet. It wasn't even noon. 
Next, we had to go to the tow yard to get Courtney's car back. We'd been getting the runaround for weeks. The BMW was caught between the police and the impound lot, just stuck in paperwork. I wanted all of Courtney's stuff back. The clothes he was wearing, his book bag, his phone, and most of all, I wanted the car, Bebe. Courtney's friend, Christian Hernandez, the guy who co-signed for it, had to meet us there to get it released. And the thing that shook us both is that there was no blood in the car. But police said Courtney was shot inside the vehicle. It simply didn't make sense. We told the BMW home. A lawyer we found was waiting for us to process the car. Back in our garage, the lawyer and his colleague took hundreds of pictures of the BMW as evidence. I finally felt like someone was taking my son's case seriously. They wore gloves and put the items from the car in Ziploc bags and labeled them. I stayed inside the house. It was too emotional. I've gone through those pictures of what they found. There's lots and lots of broken glass. But besides that, it was like looking into my son's world. There's a yellow sticky note taped to his driver's side that says marketing director. That's the job Courtney was working toward. It was his goal. And I promise you, looking at that, it just broke my heart. There was a lighter, a Nutter Butter wrapper, an empty Gatorade bottle, lemon lime, his favorite kind, and a parking ticket he was probably hiding from me. There's one winter glove. No doubt he lost the other one. He was always on the go. Item after item, sealed up in those plastic bags. There was a box for a new iPhone. He had just gotten that phone a week before he was shot, but the phone itself wasn't there. The police still had it. A few weeks later, when I got it back, the screen was cracked and the phone was unlocked. Somebody is a co-production of the Invisible Institute, The Intercept, Topic Studios, and iHeartRadio in association with Tenderfoot TV. I'm Shapiro Wells. This podcast is produced by Allison Flowers and Bill Healy. Sarah Geis is our story editor. Ellen Glover is our associate producer. For the Invisible Institute, Jamie Calvin is executive producer. 
For Topic Studios, Maria Zuckerman, Christy Gressman, and Letal Malad are executive producers. Special thanks to Lizzie Jacobs. For The Intercept, Roger Hodge, deputy editor, is supervising producer. Sound design by Carl Scott and Bart Warshaw. Michael Rayfield is our mix engineer. Our theme song, Everybody's Something, is by Chance the Rapper. Original music for the podcast by Nate Fox of The Social Experiment and Eric Butler. Additional reporting by Sam Stecklow, Annie Wynn, Kahari Blackburn, Rajiv Sinclair, Henry Adams, Matilda Voyat, Dana Brozos Kelleher, Francis McDonald, Diana Akmajian, Maddie Anderson, Andrew Fan, and Erissa Apentaku. Translation support by Benny Hernandez Ocampo and Emma Perez. Fact checking by Noah Argeni. Special thanks to Chris Rasmussen, Bennett Epstein, Matt Topic, David Braylo, and Julie Wolf. We want to hear from you. Email us at info at somebodypodcast.com or leave us a voicemail at 773-270-0121. To learn more about this case and for links to additional materials, go to our show page at somebodypodcast.com. You can also find a list of everyone we want to thank there. So many people helped us along the way. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television 
today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 